Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We're in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome you need to know. And you can also find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 110 of the show, and we want to give a special shout out and thank you to our listener supporters. Your $5 a month makes a big difference in keeping this show going. And if our show, our recommendations, or our community, those things have added to your life, we would love for you to consider supporting us by going to sortaawesomeshow.com slash support. Well, friends, I have such a treat for you all today. I'm joined by not just one of my lovely co-hosts, but I have all three here today. Kelly Gordon, Lara Tremaine, and Rebecca Hoffer are all here for another group show. So hello, friends. Hello. We are so excited about this episode. It's kind of a callback, a revisit of one of the most popular episodes of Sorta Awesome ever. And that was way back in episode 56 when we shared our unpopular opinions, a show that will live in infamy for things like Uniboob and (laughs) whether or not Christmas is about cookies or about Jesus. I think we determined the answer to that question, but it was a little dicey for a while. (laughs) So today we are back with a group show and we're going to be playing around with the idea of being sorry, not sorry about things. We're going to share some things that we know we probably should apologize for, some beliefs that we have, some things that we do that we should maybe apologize for, but in all reality, we are not sorry. And we're going to get to all of those sorry, not sorry's here in just a moment. But first, we're going to start the show the way we always do with a double dose this time of our Awesomes of the Week. So Kelly, why don't you go ahead and get us started with your Awesome of the Week this week? Okay. Hey, Awesomes. I have a Awesome of the Week that requires some singing. So prepare yourself. Oh, maybe okay. brace yourself. Here we go. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to start singing? singing. You might be. I didn't warn you, did I? No. Okay, so I'm going to start singing and let's see what happens. Okay. Da, 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 da. Here's a story yeah. of a man named Brady. <laughs> right? Yes. I refuse to participate. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so stressed out by this. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. This is it's a lot of pressure this early in the morning. 
I'm just guessing that every awesome that's listening in their earbuds right now, hopefully this will be the earworm for the day because this is my awesome of this week. It is The Brady Bunch. Wow. Okay. Okay. The Brady Bunch is on Hulu, which I did not know. And the reason it's my awesome of the week is that I have started my kids watching The Brady Bunch. And you guys, they love it. These old shows that I kind of forget even exist have turned out to be the most fun for my family. And that's why it's my awesome. So this is what happened a few years ago. I would say maybe four years ago. I rented from the library a DVD of Gilligan's Island because we were going on a road trip. Okay. And it was like the beginning. It was the first season and maybe second season of Gilligan's Island. And so we're in the car and I'm like, you guys, this is a funny show. And I'm thinking, I remember Gilligan's Island. It's super slapsticky. They're going to like it. You know, sure. they're just at the right perfect age group. They're going to like it. And I put it in and it's black and white. Uh-huh. You guys, the very first yes. season. And so they were like, what is this? this What's is happening? Yeah. You know, within is like the first three, <laughs> yes, 30 seconds, they're like, I don't like it. It's not funny. This is is stupid. And I'm like, well, we're driving 20 hours to Colorado. Suck it. So they keep watching. And within 20 minutes of the pilot episode, they are laughing so hard. I was worried that someone was going to have an accident. You know, like curled up in a fetal position laughing. It's the first pilot episode of Gilligan's Island is all slapstick, really. I mean, Gilligan and everybody is just being goofy. So they loved it so much that now that's one of our favorite family activities is to get a new episode or a new season of Gilligan's Island and watch it. Now, as far as I know, Gilligan is not available on any of the streaming services. But my sister happened to mention that her kids have really gotten into Brady Bunch this summer because it's on Hulu. So I thought, hmm, you know, the Brady Bunch is even maybe more applicable to where my kids are today because it's that family drama and they're growing up into the teen years and all of that. Wait, you're saying that a family show is more relevant than like a stranded on an island show? (laughs) Well, sometimes I feel like I'm stranded on an island. So if you want to go metaphysical here, (laughs) I think that Gilligan might really speak to me. (laughs) So many times you try to get off and it never works. Yeah, yeah. And you wake up tomorrow and you're still there. But I do think that for my kids, now they still love Gilligan's Island, but the Brady Bunch has turned out to be just a perfect fit. And so what's funny is my teenagers will say, I don't want to watch Brady Bunch. But then they stand in the kitchen or they stand like right where we're all watching for three episodes. (laughs) Watching and laughing at all the right places and that sort of thing. So I guess my heart of the awesome is I would recommend just going back into the 60s and 70s like Nick at Night material and finding something even for you to watch. I think it's fun to watch these old shows and just think, wow, do we really dress that way? Was that really Mm. what we laughed at? Were laugh tracks really that necessary? Yeah. But at the same time, I've kind of decided that I want an Alice. So, oh my gosh, don't we you know, all? That's all yes. awesome for me, not just for my kids. That's my awesome of the week. That is fantastic and such a great tip. Just last night, AJ was telling me how much she likes to watch shows with a lot of drama. And then she asked if she could start watching The Kardashians. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, that's a little advanced for a 10 year old, but maybe we could start with The Brady Bunch and kind of like work our way up there. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even gotten to Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> yeah, but Marsha did just have to get braces and then Alan didn't want to take her to the dance anymore. It was dramatic. It's so drama. Okay, thank you, Kelly. Laura, how about you? What is your awesome of the week this week? I am not going to sing. You're welcome. Oh. <laughs> Sad. But my awesome of the week is a game I play on my phone, which is, I think is the first time that has ever been my awesome of the week in all of these years. I am shocked. I didn't even know you had games on your phone. (laughs) Well, I don't normally keep games on my phone, even for my kids. My husband keeps games on his phone for the kids, but I won't even do it because I don't want them anywhere near my phone. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. However, this game is something that I play, and it's kind of become my awesome of the summer, to be honest with you. It's called Wood Puzzle. <laughs> okay. <No. laughs> what, what is this about? <laughs> Are we Commence going down a dark path already? <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't know if anyone else does this because we've never talked about this even as a group. But when I'm listening to podcasts, if I'm not actively driving or cleaning or whatever you do when you maybe have a podcast going, if I'm just listening to one, especially one that I want to pay a lot of attention to and I'm not multitasking, I can't just sit there and listen to it. I have to be doing something with my brain like it's the equivalent of an adult fidget spinner sort of thing. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I used to play the most basic game of solitaire Mm -hmm. because it's mindless enough that I can be concentrating on what I'm listening to, but I'm still doing something else. I feel like I'm not explaining the brain part of this. Anyway, I got tired of solitaire. I mean, I played like, I think it alerted me that I had played 10,000 games of solitaire. And that you only won three. (laughs) No, just kidding. Whoa. That's a lot of games. (laughs) Because I play while I'm listening Mm -hmm. and I do this on the airplane and everything. Anyway, but I want to get to this awesome because I love it. And if anyone else likes to be doing something sort of while they're listening, this is great because it's the most simple game. It's sort of like Tetris. Okay. But without the pressure. So, you know, if you played old school Tetris, like they come down the little pieces that you're trying to lock together and make into a row or a column that then disappears. But then it starts to get faster and the, you know, it like... Yes, it gets gets, so intense. Yes, it gets like stressful. This has Uh no time on it. So you're just trying to make the pieces fit into a column that will disappear within a big square, within a puzzle type of thing. It's very low key. So you're just trying to make the pieces match up into a column. So it's perfect because there's no pressure to it, but it is sort of like you have to think a tiny bit while you're trying to take in something serious. So like my favorite podcasts of the year that I've really sort of binged or of the last few months, like The Turnaround, which I loved. I binged the true crime Up and Vanished. Mm, mm -hmm. And I got really into that, sort of like we used to do with Serial or whatever. So you just want to sit and like listen, and that's like an hour. I played this game while I was listening to a bunch of podcasts when I flew to Europe and back. It made the time fly, like literally hours. I could listen to the things I wanted to listen to. But then I also am like sort of doing something with my eyeballs. That's amazing. I love that. I'm the same way. If I'm really tuned into something, I kind of have to be doing something physical in some way. So that is so great. And it was called Wood Puzzle? It's called Wood Puzzle. It's a little brown icon with like a W. Got it. It's really good. I played it all summer. Good stuff. Thank you, Laura. Rebecca, awesome of the week for you. What do you have for us? My awesome of the week is a new YouTube channel. It's called Dry Bar Comedy. So Dry Bar is actually another service kind of similar to like Hulu where you can subscribe and then you can stream all of these stand-up comedians. And their twist on it is that it's all clean. So, you know, there's no swearing. It's, you know, because, you know, stand-up comedy can get pretty raunchy. Yeah. Depending on the comedians. I was going to say, that's highly unusual in comedy. So also, so, I just no. insert here that dry bar in my world is a place <laughs> where you go to do your hair. I yeah. know. I was so confused. I was I like, I can't, how do they fit together? <laughs> that would be an interesting business idea, though. You <laughs> could combine stand-up comedy with getting your hair blown out. <laughs> 
then you wouldn't need games on your phone. That's right. <laughs> okay. All right, Rebecca, keep going. Okay. So Dry Bar Comedy, like I said, it's this separate website, but then they also started a YouTube channel to kind of advertise and like draw people in. So on their YouTube channel, they have playlists of more than 20 different clean comedians showing clips from their shows. So you can go to their channel and you can select a comedian playlist and then it will play through all of the clips from their show. And I just think they're hysterical. I love them. Now, I had no clue how to describe for the awesomes stand-up comedy. So I actually Googled how to describe stand-up comedy for like some like, help. I'm like, it's funny. At the end. Like, what else do I say? Okay, so Google did not help. So uh -huh. I have like nothing to say other than I just think it's funny. But I have two comedians to highlight for you. Okay, good. But first I want to say that for some reason, I really like jokes that make observations about everyday things. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, those are the jokes that always just land the best for me. And so when I was right. thinking of a good example of that, I was remembering that show from way back called Last Comic Standing. And I remember that there was a comedian on that show who was talking about how the post office made this huge deal when they unveiled their making of this self-sticking stamp and how like everybody was just like losing their minds that, oh, you don't have to like lick it anymore. And the comedian kind of rolled his eyes and was like, well, congratulations, you invented the sticker. Like, hello, we've had this technology <laughs> for decades. Right. Like, why is this just now coming? Right, right. Those are the kinds of jokes that I really really like. So the first playlist that I recommend you checking out is by Kellen Erskine. And he also was featured on season seven of America's Got Talent. Oh, okay. I didn't see him there, but read that in his bio. And he does a lot of observations about everyday things. And he really plays off the audience a lot, which I think is super impressive. For him to record this you know, comedy special that's going to be airing on YouTube and on drybarcomedy.com or whatever, for him to improvise with the audience, that must take such confidence yes. yeah. to not know what is going to be thrown at you and to have that in your special. Right. I was really impressed by him. And then my second favorite playlist comedian for you to check out would be Colin Moulton. And again, he just makes observations about everyday things. It just cracks me up. It's funny. Again, I don't know how to describe stand-up comedy. <laughs> it's funny It's a hard me. thing to describe, but you know. It is hard. It's so fun when you find a comedian that is like your style mm -hmm. of humor. The things that make you laugh. It's so fun. Such a great discovery, especially, Rebecca, I know you're spending a lot of time you know, either nursing the baby or, you know, just those types of things. And it's good to have something to make you giggle while you're... Oh, yes. And it really was making me giggle. My, I was watching on my phone in bed and my husband crawled into bed and like I kept like shaking the bed laughing. I was like, oh, he's going to get annoyed <laughs> with me. I better finish this up. But again, the YouTube channel is called Dry Bar Comedy. Okay. You can check it out. Excellent. Okay. Well, my Awesome of the Week is a playlist too. It is not on YouTube. It's on Spotify. Mm -hmm my favorite inventions of life ever. So it's actually a playlist that I made and it was inspired by something that Kyle, my husband and I have been doing for, oh, I don't know, every now and again over the past couple of weeks. Kyle and I both love music. We really do. We both are listening to music all the time. And so just like randomly, I think I've talked about this a couple of times on the show before, but usually around three or four o'clock in the afternoon, we kind of have a check-in time. We both work at home, but we're both busy during the day. And so we just kind of check in 
as the kids are getting home from school and stuff. And so one thing that we've been doing during that time is sort of like DJing for each other and playing some of our favorite songs that are favorites right now and also our favorites from like when we were kids and when we were in high school. And you aren't know, you guys to... just the cutest of my <laughs> daily afternoon know. dates and you're like reminiscing about childhood music yes. at the same time? Oh my I'm word, telling you, it has been so good for us because, I mean, I've kind of been together for over 20 years. So a lot of the music that we're talking about, we're like, you know, we'll start playing it and we don't even have to say anything because it takes us back to a specific moment or a thing that happened. But it's been super interesting to hear some of the music that he's into now. His taste is similar to mine, but also really different in a lot of ways. And so what we've done is put together, I put together a playlist of some of our favorites. It's 40 songs. I called it In This House because that's the kind of music that's playing in the background all the time around here. And so I will put a link in the show notes if you would like. It's kind of like, I feel like a radio DJ saying this, but it's a mix of today's top hits and yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I think but I have really that it... station on my Sirius XM in the car. <laughs> <laughs> also, side note, Laura, I took your advice about from a gift buying suggestion. And for Kyle's birthday this month, I bought him the Amazon Echo. Mm, yes. And he loves it. I was so nervous because I didn't know if he would be into it, if he would think it was, you know, more speaker than he needs or whatever. I didn't know if he would like the whole Alexa thing. Oh my gosh, he loves it. He talks to Alexa all the time. It's so confusing because I'll be like, wait, did you say something? He's like, no, I'm talking to Alexa. <laughs> So anyway, that is a fantastic gift. That's really not relevant to anything else, but I would say that that was a great recommendation. So thank you for that. Good. Friends, I just want to point out that the calendar says we only have a few short days left to enjoy my very favorite season of the year, summer. Our sponsor, Sunbasket, knows that summer days are anything but lazy for busy families, and that's why I'm so glad I can feed my family in half the time with Sunbasket. Sunbasket makes it easy to cook delicious seasonal meals even on the busiest of days. Meals like Tex-Mex tostadas with pickled carrots and avocado crema. Tex-Mex, y'all. My family loved it. And I loved that Sunbasket sends organic and non-GMO ingredients all pre-measured and ready to go. With Sunbasket, you can have dinner ready for your family in less than 30 minutes. All of their meals are created by an award-winning chef and arrives in 100% recyclable and compostable packaging. So awesome. Sign up today and see what everyone's talking about with Sunbasket. Go to sunbasket.com sorta today and get 50% off your first order. That's sunbasket.com sorta to get 50% off your first order. sunbasket.com sorta. And now back to the show. Okay, that was so much awesome. And now we are going to get into some of our things that we cannot wait to tell you about things that we should probably be sorry for, but we just aren't. We're not sorry. Kelly, you are smirking already. So I cannot wait to hear what your first sorry not sorry is. I do. I have one. And I'm just going to start right out the gate with being bold, because this is truly a sorry not sorry for me. But I feel as an ENFP7, always guilty saying it. Okay. It's something that I don't always even admit to my closest friends, and now I'm going to share it with thousands of our favorite awesomes. But here we go. It has to do with the idea that adulting is not a verb. Oh, okay. amen. Thank okay, you. Okay, so I maybe we'll have preaching to the choir here. This is my idea, is that I get the idea that we want to vent sometimes. We all have a day where we're just tired and hard, and so I know where the idea came from that, like, I can't adult today, right? Yes. But here's the thing that I'm really talking about. 
is that it then seeps into a real life concept where people are like, I just can't do these things. I can't learn to do these things. Someone's going to have to rescue me because Mm -hmm. adulting is hard. Right. Here's the deal. It is hard to be an adult. Grow up. Pull up your big girl (laughs) panties. It's just life. I guess to me, there's a part of me that's like, this is called maturity. It's what we want. You know, don't be helpless. Kids are helpless. Part of growing up is saying, I can do it. And if I can't, I will find a way to learn to do it, to hire someone who can do it. I won't just sit here and wallow and say, I can't, I can't. Adulting is hard. No, adulting is not hard. Life can be hard, but you can do it. So I feel like for me, the reason that I kind of feel sorry, not sorry, is that what that kind of concept does is it enables this kind of whiny helplessness, especially, of course, among women, where I'm like, no, girl, you are strong. You can figure out a way to get it done. So whether that be, I think back even to our grilling episode that Laura did. Yeah. And how many women have come forward and said, I was always scared to grill. And Uh now you have empowered me to go forth and man the tongs, right? (laughs) Yes, that's right. That sounds slightly wrong now that I say it. But (laughs) that idea, I guess, is the same thing. So I just want to say adulting can be hard, but you can do it. Whether it is learning to put air into your tires or mow your lawn. Of course, I'm thinking of things that lots of times women say, well, I don't do those things. They're male dominated. But I think it could be anything. Learning to cook healthy meals for your family. Dealing with the childcare issue that you have that you say, well, this is my stumbling block. Trying to find ways to do it. Like, We are strong. And so adulting isn't that hard. Adulting isn't too hard for us. That's my sorry, not sorry. That's so good. When you mentioned the grilling episode, I haven't even told you guys that this happened. And this is not related to how hard adulting can be, to not use that as an excuse. But this summer, Kyle asked me to go turn the grill on. And I was like, I don't know how to do the grill. It's too hard. And he was like, told me like three steps. You do this, this, this. And so I go out there and I'm messing around. He could see me through the kitchen window that I was taking too long. And he goes, what are you doing? Did you not push the start button yet? And I was like, no, I'm scared. And he came out and pushed it. And like, there was like this whoosh of <laughs> gas that lit and blew out of the grill. And I was like, I can't be trusted with the grill. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Now I will say I did the exact same thing last summer with my daughter. My husband was out of town and he called us and he forgot to say, maybe this is what Kyle did. Open the grill. Yeah. So we're doing all the things and the lid's shut. Uh-huh. Um, right. So yeah, yes. at some point it like exploded and the lid flew open on this really heavy grill. It moved. It jumped on our deck oh and went to a different place. But here's the deal. I didn't. And I'm sure you didn't either. You don't go, okay, I can't do this. I can't do this. It's too hard. Adulting okay, is hard. No, no that we just is said, what no, she we're did. Gonna, I, well, but, I was doing that a little bit, but, Kelly. But what I'm saying is you hopefully get back on the grill and you yes. light it the next time and you say, I learned from it. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we can't have a hard day or we can't be intimidated by things. Those are just reality. I'm just saying yeah. that we rise up and we move forth. You blow because, up the grill one time, you right. try again the next time. Right. That's what maturity is. It says, you know, we're not going to give up and yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I totally, totally hear what you're saying. And I totally agree. So good stuff. Laura, what is your first sorry, not sorry? Well, while I wholeheartedly agree with Kelly's first one about adulting, I'm going to take a little bit of an opposite stance when it comes to one's private parts. (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) I feel like I should cross myself. Because... (laughs) 
In our family, we do not refer to them in the adult, mature, scientific way. Okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> so okay. in, in that part, adulting is hard for me a little bit, Kelly. <laughs> I'm because... not sure that counts, but that's okay. So that's right. You have special dispensation. Now I want to know what you say. Can we say that? Oh, <laughs> we... <laughs> We say we say a variety of things. I, we do not have like a set language, but you know anything that sort of refers to. We all seem to get what we're meaning, like you know, woo woo or that area. And I oh just like word. am waving my hand in. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like a good bum. It sounds very refined. So when my kids were little, I didn't use all the my oldest kids. I said all the words that you're talking about, too. We didn't use anything that was correct terminology. We also say okay, now, Bobo or Heine Bo for the back. Bobo. I mean, there's just various <laughs> things that we call it. And look, I know like it is like a whole big thing right now that you're supposed to call it by like all of the specific words because we're not supposed to use any kind of shame about our body. And like, I get all of those arguments. I swear to you, I do. And I am trying to raise children who have no shame about their body. About and bobos. who understand or about like, their bobos. <laughs> or about their bobos. And they, you know, understand like... They have power over their own body and like all of those things. But listen, you guys, like I do not refer to my own labia. <laughs> like that's not what I call it. In every day around the house conversation. <laughs> no, not even to my doctor. Like if I'm going to say a thing, if I'm going to, if I'm having some kind of a thing, I might just like describe it. And like everybody knows what you mean when you're like <laughs> down there. <laughs> I am laughing right now because I'm picturing you at the OB and you're like, yes, so me too. like my, my area down there, <laughs> I have some concerns. The woo-woo. Doesn't my feel so hot. <laughs> but listen, when you're talking to an OB, there's only one area you're discussing generally. Well, that's true. So like if I say it hurts, she knows what I mean <laughs> or whatever. I just love that the names that you're giving these body parts, they're just random sounds thrown together. Like, it's not even like words. You're just like, you're having a stroke throwing out some sounds. But listen, Rebecca, I have never been misunderstood. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, let's do a quick vote here on the panel. Do your kids, we know what Laura's family does, do your kids in everyday conversation call it the technical, the biological anatomy word, or do you use euphemisms? Do you use nicknames? Kelly, how about in the Gordon house? It was split. We're 50-50, so I feel really comfortable with my vote right now. I don't have to choose. We, with our older kids, we used all sorts of euphemisms. And with our younger kids now, I'm just embracing the anatomy. Okay. Rebecca, how about y'all? We totally call it by the anatomy terms no nicknames at all well we used to, okay so Heine. i call it their Heine. Okay. okay but what even is the technical term but but but, but I, don't that's the um, I don't know yeah Bobo. anus oh, yes. well that's okay. I don't but that's not that. the muscles you know so well, yeah you when got... you say pull your swimsuit back up over your butt you know are yeah. we gonna edit this part out? <laughs> <laughs> listen no shame about body parts. We are sorry, this not is all sorry. all staying in. 
Okay, in the Teats family, my girls, my older girls know the technical terms. They know the different parts, especially. It's really important to me that girls know all of the parts of their lady business. It's super important to me. But casual conversation yes. in our house, that's the TT area. <laughs> That's where, I, that's where I'm aiming yeah. to go. And I, I mean, too much yeah. like your name, Megan. Your name is Megan Teets, and you call it your TT? <laughs> Never made that connection, but thank you. <laughs> I thought that maybe that's where it came from. Like, this is what we call it in our family. And in our family, it would be Gigi. Ours would be Ho-Ho. <laughs> well, that works, Rebecca. Now that's going to become a new word for Laura. Ho-Ho. I would say that's that's true, though. I think maybe that's what we are kind of aiming for. And so in that sense, what Laura is saying is you want them to know what the actual parts are, what they're for, what they're called. But it, well, like what you just said, Megan, you said we call our lady business the TT. You know, like we all in our conversation with friends, we don't use medical terminology all the time. No, even when I'm talking to my girlfriend. Well, Rebecca we does. <laughs> maybe. Rebecca, if you were out with girlfriends and you guys were like talking about your vaginas, <laughs> you can't even do it. <laughs> you, can't, you can't even do it. Oh, did you like just like have like a little bit of a heart attack just now? <laughs> I'm just that. like laughing, like sipping margaritas and chatting about your vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> And right now, like, half of us aren't even in our screens. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, I'm super curious, though, Rebecca, with your girlfriends. With my girlfriends? No. Well, I mean, we'll call it, like, our little, like, our hoo-ha or whatever. I don't know. Or the okay, JJ. Good. Yeah, we just mm-hmm. make things up. But... Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah it's but just it's ra- like, random sounds. Yeah. But it's penis and vagina in my house. I don't go into all of the specifics of the lady parts. I understand that vagina is kind of this broad stroke <laughs> that we're using for everything, and that's not technically correct. But mm-hmm. I hear people say, I don't want my son to be saying penis like out in public. That would be my kids. Like my kids, they shock people all the time. They're like, Ah, yada 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 penis I, I don't know what they are saying but you know it just happens <laughs> oh my gosh I don't know if we're going to be able to collect ourselves to be on but good one Laura that's a good, <laughs> that's a good sorry sign. not sorry sorry not sorry and none of our awesomes will ever look at us the same way again Okay, <laughs> I think we may have already jumped that shark <laughs> <laughs> alright Rebecca you get to follow that one up with your oh. first impossible but okay so we're gonna change gears here a little bit so my sorry not sorry is it's kind of school related as we're getting back into the season I have a bit of a confession from last year my daughter was in first grade and it involves the book it reading program with my daughter's school they still have book it yeah in my area they do oh my gosh that's amazing we had book it when I was a little kid yeah me too okay so if you don't know what it is, though, every month she was sent home a calendar that she was supposed to use to keep track of her reading. And then if she read, I think it like varies by age or classroom or whatever. But I think it was something like if she read 15 minutes for 15 or 20 days out of the month, something like that, then she could turn it into her t-shirt and she would get a coupon back for a free personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut. That's right. Yeah. So 
she has this calendar and all year I made it up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Are you saying you lied on it? 100%. Now, not 100% in the way that like my daughter never read, but I could not be bothered with keeping track of, oh, well, what was it Friday night? Did Did we set a timer? Which night was it? She didn't even like fill in the days. I just kept the calendar on my kitchen counter. I would pull it out every now and again, get a highlighter, scribble it so it looked kind of messy and not perfect, like how mom would do it. And I would just be like, oh, let's pick this day and this day and this day. And then hand it to her at the end of the month. Say, okay, here, this is where you need to sign your name. Take it into your teacher. (laughs) Get your free pizza. Rebecca, you stole those pizzas. (laughs) No. (laughs) My daughter reads. Like, if this was something that would, you know, incentivize a reluctant reader, I totally would have been more like, hey, come on, let's do this. Like, let's make a big deal out of it, you know. But my daughter reads. I read to my kids. Like, it just was one thing I simply could not be bothered with. Out of all the thousands of things that they send home for parents to keep track of in elementary school, which feels so much more like parents going to school than the kids and having to remember, oh, wear this on this day. and do this homework on this day and take this in for a hundred days. And no, I said no to book it. (laughs) (laughs) I just made it up. I'm not sorry. You took a stand. You took a stand against book it. Yes. She's like, Uh I'm not sorry at all. I'm not. (laughs) She's not. Her face is completely unrepentant. You guys, she's not even a little bit sorry about that. (laughs) Okay. Well, my first sorry, not sorry is, I've noticed that I've become a person that I think probably a lot of people when they're out and about running errands in public really hate. (laughs) And that is because I have turned into a grocery cart snoop. When I'm out grocery shopping and I'm at the checkout line, or actually even when I'm in the aisles, I have no qualms about eyeing your cart and kind of investigating. Now, most of the time, I'm not going to ask you about it, but sometimes I do. Sometimes I'll be like, is that good? I've been meaning to try that or whatever. And I know this is so annoying and it's like, I can't stop myself. I think it's because, you know, as I've talked about on an earlier show, I started doing so much of my grocery shopping online that when I do actually go into a store, I'm like, look at all this stuff that's in here. (laughs) I didn't even know about. And I know some people get so annoyed with this, especially if you do go ahead and ask. My husband, this drives him crazy. It seems like every time he's picking up a few things at the store, people want to talk to him about what's in his cart. He finds it extremely annoying. And I'm like, I am that annoying person. And I'm not (laughs) even sorry, because you can find really great grocery store discoveries in the cart. This is really a thing. I mean, I've never once had somebody comment on something in my grocery cart. Like ever. Really? Not even the cashier or anything? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Is this so. an Oklahoma thing? Is this oh, no. a Southern thing? I don't know. I think it, I feel like it's fairly common where I live. Well, if it's happening to Kyle every time he goes out me? of the house, then it must be common. Truly. <laughs> so anyway, I feel like I should apologize for being that annoying person at the grocery store, but I'm just genuinely not that sorry about it. So, yeah. all right. Kelly, I know you have another one. Another sorry, not sorry to share. Let's hear your next one. Okay, so my second sorry, not sorry is personal in nature, but I am truly not sorry for this, you guys. It is that I like to be in the sun, which is to say I like to be tan. Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tanning booths anymore. So that's my disclaimer. I did do that. I think like most of us did in like the 80s, 90s time period. But I fully comprehend the dangers of being in the sun 
of not slathering on sunscreen every moment of every day. And I live in a state where we just don't get, I mean, for six months of the year, you're not in the sun. That's true. You know, That's I take vitamin D point. in the winter. So when it's actually sunny and it is the summer and, you know, the little forecast will say UV high. I'm like, excellent. I will be right out there. <laughs> right in the sun. In fact, it's been kind of, I think for large swaths of the U.S. anyway, this summer has been a little bit more rainy than than maybe always. And so this week we had one nice day where it was just beautiful outside and like, you know, mid 70s. And we had some friends over and I was like, no apologies to my BFF. I said, I'm going to sit right here in the sun, full on bake. If I get sunburned, I will have like met my goal. Oh, my goodness. Because I am so (laughs) desperate. And I wasn't like sunburned, like really badly. But like you could see tan lines. And that was the point. Like I needed like I was craving like a junkie. some sun on my skin. And so I'm really not sorry about it. I do. This is like my one vice. I kind of joke with people like I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. Don't have any special brownies from Colorado. You know, like it's the sun. The sun (laughs) is my addiction. It is my vice. And so my excuse is I only can even be outside, much less be in strong sun for such a short time of year that I'm just going to give into it. And I'm sorry, not sorry. Well, I guess you're excused because it is true. You have very little sunshine, but my goodness, there's going to be some people that have some things to say to you. (laughs) I know, I'm sure. And they can say them. I've heard them all before. I'm a pretty well-read person and I even worked in healthcare like journalism. So I understand. I'm just making my choices for myself. There we go. You're owning it. I love it. All right, Laura, what is the next thing on your sorry, not sorry list? My next sorry, not sorry is... I will not personally be joining the rallying cry for more authenticity on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) I mean, like, I've never fully understood the backlash against like Pinterest and certain Instagram feeds and whatever that sort of show a really beautiful home or family or projects or meals or whatever. Like, I think those things are beautiful. I like to scroll pretty feeds and go through Pinterest perfect posts. Like, I love them. So then in the last few years when there's been this huge backlash against that, like, this is not real. I don't understand all that angst. I'm like, of course it's not real. Like, what do you mean? I just assume when a blogger has taken a really pretty picture of like a chair and her book and her coffee mug, that the room behind her is a cluttered disaster. I just literally, I assume that. So now when the action is like, I'm going to show you all my mess, I'm like, oh, God, oh, don't though, actually. <laughs> I don't want your mess is what Laura is saying. <laughs> Keep your mess hidden. Yes. Like, why are yeah. we going to like champion our mess? Or even it's not even just like the prettiness or not. Sometimes it's even like, I'm just going to show you what a disaster mom I am. Or like, like what a crazy, unorganized life I have. I'm like, why? Why are we doing that? Like, you do not get a trophy for your crazy. (laughs) Oh, there's a poll quote. But man, yes. Definitely. Just just don't. Like, I have no problem with what we put into the world, not just online, but even just like in life with kind of, you know, just bringing our A game most of the time. (laughs) Like, I I like realness. Like, I like people to be real and, you know, share their true thoughts and stuff. I'm not saying that people should be like hiding. I just don't understand why we need to highlight. 
Oh, I see what you're saying. Hey, let me ask you this. Do you think, because you said you just assume with pretty pictures, either on Pinterest, Instagram, whatever, you assume that that frame is really pretty, but everything else is a mess. I'm the opposite. I assume if you show me a pretty corner of your house, your entire house is gorgeous. So do you think, though, that your background in TV production and being on movie sets and stuff like that has made you a little bit more realistic about what a visual is actually portraying? Yeah, that's probably part of it. Or maybe it's because I have some really pretty parts of my life. Like I could show you a beautiful chair in my home or whatever, but my house is not perfect by any means. It's messy and cluttery. Kids live here. We live here. I have friends who like, and same, like I have a lot of friends that I know in real life who like look pretty perfect online for whatever reason, because they're a blogger or because they just have a naturally beautiful home or whatever. But because I know them, I mean, this we're talking dozens of people. I know they're not perfect. I know that their right. hair isn't always washed. I know that they like, you know, mess up or have messy homes or you know, just aren't perfect in all the myriad of ways. Like I know that about them, dozens and dozens of people. And mm-hmm. so it's never crossed my mind that because they're showing you one little pretty thing or they show a picture of you because their hair is done and their lipstick's on, that that's what they always look like. Like it doesn't even, when that started to be a big backlash online, and again, this was sort of post Pinterest exploding. So mm-hmm. this has been several years when it started to be like, this is making me feel insecure. I was like, but I don't understand why you think everyone is perfect, but you like, it's just not my thought process at all. So then when the inevitable thing of like, everyone's like, this is this is what a mess I am all the time. I'm like, stop. Why? Are, what? Yeah. No, Get I'm the same down, way. Sister, you know, I mean, you don't need to. Yeah. We're good without that. I kind of like I mean, it. I don't mind people being real, but I share this with her. I share this with Laura. Me. Like, if I go to somebody's house, I don't care if they're saying, I've had a hard day. This is my real house. You know, like, this is how it looks. At the same time, if they have a dinner party and I come over and they go, my life is so hard. This kind of harkens back to, like, adulting to me, where they're like, this is just the real me. We're ordering pizza and I put no thought into this and whatever. Then you'd be like, well, why are you showing me this? Like, then we should just cancel the dinner party. You know, like, there's, like, this attitude of highlighting it that I think is different than just people being real. I like what you said, Laura. I completely agree. So I don't know if it's, I mean, I didn't work in TV production the same way she did. I don't know if it's that. It's just maybe it's a personality trait. I always assume that I've never met a perfect person, no matter how they look, you know, so everybody's got their things. So you just assume everybody's not perfect. I don't start with the assumption that they are perfect. But Rebecca, Mm. do you like it because it feels relatable to you? Like, you're like, oh, thank goodness, I'm not the only one with a messy house. Or do you like Mm -hmm. it because you think it shows kind of more like authentic personality or like what do you like about it yeah no I would say both of those reasons I like the relatability I like yeah people just being kind of authentic I don't need like all mess all the time I don't know that I follow anybody that's like all mess all the time but now I did watch somebody recently who was kind of you know complaining about their messy house and that it was kind of stressing them out and they like showed like a span of like the room and I was like I'm sorry what are you talking about that's what like, this house is not messy I don't like and like mess. that is I don't like when somebody has their yeah. hair like in a messy bun and maybe they are only wearing lipstick and they're like oh my gosh I'm such a mess today and they still look <laughs> freaking stunningly gorgeous I don't like that at all no I agree but, with you but that rings as that's inauthentic to me uh-huh. like that's like they're being phony mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah that's that. different. See, I'm not I, saying we should all be phony. I don't think that at all. And I think that shines through when a person is being like fake. 
perfect or right. fake messy or whatever. Yeah. I just mean like I don't know why posts have to go viral about what a disaster we all secretly are. I don't know. I feel like I'm in therapy right now because I'm the person that has always been so insecure because everyone's perfect except for me. So I feel like I'm having a personal revelation right now (laughs) sitting here in front of my microphone. (laughs) So this is good stuff. Good stuff. I'm just a fan of that Miranda Lambert song lyric, hide your crazy and start acting like a lady. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. That's good life advice for all of us. Thank you, Miranda Lambert via Laura Tremaine. Okay, Rebecca, what's next on your sorry, not sorry list? I breastfeed my baby in public and I do not use a cover. And if that makes somebody uncomfortable, well, sorry, not sorry. So have you tried using a cover before? Yes, I mean... Have you always just been like, no, I'm not going to Yeah, do I have used a cover. I have the kind that like you put around your neck and then like there's a little piece of plastic in that pokes out so you can like see your baby. And I've used that with each of my kids like in the newborn stage where like just takes a lot more like all hands on deck to like get the job done, you know, <laughs> and like you just can't yes. do it discreetly. Yes. Uh-huh, <laughs> but once uh-huh. I get comfortable and once my kids get comfortable, I don't use a cover. I might use like a little blanket, but... In general, I don't use a cover. And, you know, I've really debated sharing this because breastfeeding and especially breastfeeding in public is such like a common soapbox. But then I remember the time that I encouraged a mom who was breastfeeding in a cafe. I went up to her and I said, excuse me, I just want to say good luck with breastfeeding. You know, it's awesome that you're doing it. And she went on to thank me and apologize and said, I wasn't sure if I should nurse him here. And that just really spoke to me that... First time moms, sometimes we can often feel like so self-conscious about how and when and where we are feeding our children that I just want to say here to all the awesomes listening that I nurse in public and I don't care if other people are uncomfortable. Good for you. So I feel like the more people who see breastfeeding moms, the more comfortable our society will get. And it's important. I feel passionately about it. Now, do I always nurse in public? No. My rule of thumb is this. If I feel comfortable nursing here, I will. If I feel comfortable nursing without a cover, then I will. Me breastfeeding my child around other people is about how I feel and not about how others feel. So if I feel comfortable in the circumstance, I do it. The end. Now, I nurse in a way that makes me feel comfortable, like I said. And I feel the most comfortable when other people, strangers, family, whatever, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. can't see my nipples, okay? (laughs) Can't see, like, my whole boob. That's that's when I feel the most comfortable, when, you know, my lady bits are covered up. I'm not sure these are the same lady bits. (laughs) We'll let that go. Your hoo-hoos? Your hoo-haws? Rebecca, we need we need to pri- <laughs> we need to privately <laughs> train you in, in some body <laughs> Here's the terminology sheet. We should have handed that out. Sorry. Get my nicknames mixed up. Anyway, I want all of my areas to be covered. I yes. use a nursing mm-hmm. tank underneath my clothes and I can like lift oh, yeah, up yeah. my shirt and then the nursing tank comes down and then the shirt like covers up like the top part of my breast and the baby's head totally. and all the nursing tank and everything else covers up the bottom part. So I feel covered and secure when I'm nursing, but I'm sure that there's people who are like, oh, there's no blanket. 
at any moment, I'm going to see too much. Or like this. Rebecca, I'm just guessing. This is your third baby. You're care. so good at this. I actually kind of grew to what you're talking about. So I am all like high five fist bump. But there were times that I could be out and nursing a baby and I was so good at it at that point. And it was so kind of discreet. People just thought the baby was sleeping. And so they would come over and like try to talk to the baby. And oh, you're like, yeah. oh, they're feeding. Yeah. And they're like, what? You know, they didn't know. And it was awkward sometimes. But yeah, yeah, I think that the more women that, and especially if you're just a brand new mom and you're just trying this and you're like, I can't even imagine. And of course, different people are going to feel comfortable in different ways. But you can get to the point where it is just not even a big deal. And you do own it and you are confident and you're like, look, this is what's happening here. You're not like sitting in the middle of the street with no clothes on saying, deal with it, America. I can feed my baby wherever I want. But just saying, hey, this is just a natural thing. I love your attitude. I'm right behind Rebecca on her sorry, not sorry for this one. Well, thank you. Okay. well, the next one on my sorry, not sorry list also might make some people feel uncomfortable. And it's also a parenting practice. And that is that in my family, we are 100 percent here for melatonin to help us go to sleep at night. And it started slowly. It started when my girls were younger. They would just have a hard time settling in at night. And so they'd have a little, you know, a small dose of melatonin to help them go to sleep. And now it has grown to where everybody in our family, except for my husband, Kyle, has a little melatonin to help him settle in for the night. Now, I think I should go on the record and say Kyle is the only person (laughs) in our family who has trouble falling asleep at night. (laughs) But... He doesn't believe melatonin works, so he won't take it. Okay, now remind me what melatonin is. It's like a natural supplement that's common for sleep, It's a supplement, yes. Melatonin is something that your body produces naturally to help you fall asleep. It's not something that keeps you asleep, but it helps you just kind of, it helps all your systems settle down so that you can drift off to sleep. I, you all know, and all of you awesomes who are listening know that I am a big supplement person. I can probably (laughs) find you a supplement for any problem in your life. (laughs) And so we use melatonin lightly to fall asleep at night. And I know that there are people who are like, why would you do that? Why do you have your children (laughs) hooked on a sleeping aid at this tender young age? (laughs) But I do feel totally fine about it. I've read research on it, feel comfortable, feel confident in my decision. And also, there's plenty of times when all four of my kids and myself fall asleep on our own without any melatonin. In fact, if I try to watch a movie with my husband, that's all the melatonin I need, apparently. My body goes into melatonin overdrive when I try to sit down and watch a movie because I'm asleep in like 20 minutes. So anyway, we are aggressively here for melatonin in this house. And I feel like I should be sorry for that. But I'm genuinely, I'm just not sorry. It's a good thing for us. How much do they take? Now I'm curious because I've given my kids melatonin, but just kind of for seasons. Right, right, right. So you can get them in different doses Mm -hmm. and you can also get them in gummy form, which is fantastic with kids. So for the twins, I cut theirs down to where it's probably like a milligram. And the girls is, I think, either two and a half or three milligrams. Also, just to clarify and make it clear for everybody, I'm not a doctor. Please don't take this as medical advice. (laughs) Okay, let's do one more round, you guys. One more round. We've had so many revelations about ourselves. Let's see if there's anything left in our sorry, not sorry bags. Kelly, what do you have? Oh, you guys, I'm going to say this, and I know that the people in my real life who say this are going to roll their eyes, and I roll them right back at them, and it is that if you try to recommend a show or a movie to me by saying, oh my word, I cried every episode, 
it is automatically off my list. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is uh. not why I go to entertainment, right? Is to cry. So when people, they're saying it is a good thing. I obviously know that there are two types of people in this world. So they'll be, oh my word, this TV show, I cried every episode. I'm like, then I don't want to watch it. Mm -hmm. If you're crying at every episode, it is not on my list. So that takes out a lot of dramas that are out and available in the world to me today. A lot of <laughs> looking at care. you. I am sorry, not sorry. I am sorry, not sorry. It is automatically off my list. I want to laugh and I want to go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> looking at you, this is us. Right? Yes. That's, I'm trying not to Whoa, name names, but that is, is right at the top of my list. Even Parenthood, which I have out. watched. But when people say to me, you have to watch Parenthood, I cry every episode. I'm like, that is not helping me no. to want to watch season three. Mm -hmm. so I my gave sister up on Parenthood. I did too. I gave up on Parenthood. Stop. I didn't make it past the pilot of Parenthood. Oh I cried at the end and I was like, this show? It's not for me. <laughs> I don't want to cry. I don't want to cry at shows. I cried, you know, at life. I, that's what I life is that's hard. That's my thing too. Like I life. want some Scrubs or Office or Parks yes. and Rec. I want to laugh. Yes, life. No, Rebecca's like my head is exploding right now. What I is going on? Life. I I'm an equal opportunity crier. I'll cry at life. I'll cry at TV shows. I'll cry at podcasts. I'll cry all the cries. I you have enough tears to go around for all the situations. <laughs> Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, Kelly, I know you're going to get some pushback from people on that one. So, And I say, come at me, internets. <laughs> I am unrepentant about this one. Very, very unrepentant. Okay, Laura, what's the last thing on your sorry, not sorry list? Well, this is the only one on my list that I actually probably should be sorry for. <laughs> <laughs> but I get Botox. Oh, I didn't know oh. that. When did you start? Tell the whole in thing. In my forehead. You guys, my forehead is as tall as a skyscraper. Like, <laughs> it is so big. It is just an expanse of skin that it was like either I had to get bangs all the time. And I hate bangs, even though they're actually very cute and flattering on most people. I just cannot deal with, like, doing bangs. And there's just so much skin there. <laughs> As, as I aged, I just kept looking at it and looking at it. And yeah, I just did it. And I am not sorry about putting that toxin in my say, body. So you're using a chemical weapon. Tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what happens? We all want to know what happened. Yeah, now you, you have to tell us the paralyzed? whole story of it. Yeah. Walk us through. It's just what you expect it to be. It's shots in your forehead and then it. Does it hurt? Freezes it. So you can't move your forehead for a little while or can you like forever? <laughs> Is your forehead frozen? Well, I can move it right now. Like you can, see, I don't know if you guys can see. I can move it right now because it's been probably six months since I've had it. I don't get it like all the time. You know, my goal is not to look like completely frozen like a news anchor. <laughs> I just don't want like the big, you know, I had really big obvious lines. And because it was so, it was so big. You just kept looking at it. it looked like ruled college ruled notebook paper on the top of my eyebrows. <laughs> okay. That's maybe a little exaggeration. <laughs> but no, I actually know what you mean. I haven't done Botox, but I have some significant wrinkles on the forehead. And it does get to the point where like, I feel like when I look in the mirror, that's the only thing I see is the forehead right. wrinkling. Well, that's where I was getting, I felt like. Yeah. And it's funny because once... I did it, and then I 
told friends about it or whatever. I don't remember. Even though once I like stopped, I guess, denying it, not that people were accusing me of it, but whatever, when I stopped hiding it, not stopped hiding it, it's like I've been doing it for a million years <laughs> secretly or anything. But when I said it, I guess out loud, so many people and not just my LA friends, even friends from like my super small hometown, whatever was like, oh yeah, we get it too. Like, and right. I was like, oh wait, is everybody doing this and not talking about it? Is everybody <laughs> denying this? What's happening? Why didn't anybody tell me? So I felt like <laughs> I'm telling you. Do you ever do it around your eyes? I feel like that's another common area that people do it. I did it like maybe a year and a half ago, like one of the very earliest. I've only been doing it a couple of years. I haven't been doing it that long. So one of my early times that I did it, I did do it around my eyes. But I think it's just because of my particular eyes. It almost made it look more wrinkledy. And I can't explain this because I'm not an esthetician. But like when I went back and told her, I feel like this makes she was like, well, when you freeze the muscles and then you smile or whatever, that energy, unless you're frozen all over, which I wasn't doing, she was like, that energy has to go somewhere. So it was like when I tried to get rid of crow's feet, for example, it was like I got wrinkles directly under my eyes. It's sort of hard to explain, but it it just like Mm -hmm. read it just like Mm redistributed where Sure. The muscles Where were the wrinkles were. or something. Yeah. yeah. And so I did not like that look. I felt like that made me look like worse almost. Okay. I'm keeping my crow's feet for now is what I'm saying because it made me look kind of craggy underneath. But that's not true for everybody. I think that's just my face shape or eye shape or whatever. Because I do know people long- who get it under their eyes and it does work or around their eyes and it does work. How long does it last? Like you said, so it's been six months. It slowly obviously is going to wear off. I think it's supposed to last three to four months. I just get lazy about it. Plus, I've been at the lake, whatever. I'm not like crazy about the schedule. Like, I have a friend who is like, you know, she is religious on the dot every three months or whatever her schedule is. I don't do that. Just when I start to be like, oh, when I start to notice the lines again, I go back. It's ended up being like, I don't know, probably between four and seven months, I would average. It's only been a couple years, so I shouldn't say. But anyway, I get Botox. I just want everybody to know that. You know, and I was actually thinking about this before we did this show. And I was thinking about my three, sorry, not sorry's. And I was like, two of mine are kind of related because I, I'm like, we should be less authentic. <laughs> like, I'm... Except for on your face. I'm freezing up my face. No, but whatever. They're all true. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. That's good. I'm still thinking about this because I have not had Botox, but it's not off of the list for me because I got some wrinkling going on. Okay, Rebecca, last one for you. Well, my last one probably won't evoke any side eye from other people. It's more of a sorry, not sorry to my former self. So when I was in college, I studied some, Mm -hmm. I was in Belize and I was studying environmental issues and I felt really convicted about a lot of things but one that really stuck with me was like unnecessary waste created by individualized packages of food so when I was in college I vowed that I was only going to buy like the big tubs of yogurt and forego like the small individual cups and all that well fast forward 14 years and I have been buying a ton of the yogurt in the tubes for my kids and I buy chicken breasts that are individually wrapped in plastic and then they're in a plastic bag I know my former self would be so ashamed you know who else is ashamed those sharks that you snuggled with and swam with in Belize (laughs) they are shocked and horrified by this revelation oh my gosh (laughs) 
You're gonna make me feel bad. Think yeah, of the no, sharks, I, Rebecca. Like, think I of the care. sharks. <laughs> like I care about the environment. I care about recycling. I just, I just don't, don't care enough like to stop buying goats. Packages of chicken. chicken. <laughs> No, it's true, though. You know, this goes back to the whole where Megan started her life on the Internet, this sort of crunchy philosophy of 80-20. Like, you can care about things, but at some point you can't do everything, right? So I bet you're recycling some of those plastics. Not those ones that you mentioned. They can't be replastic. Those can't be recycled. Not but you know what? Like, you just can't do everything. It's like, I know friends who are super, super green and crunchy, but then don't use cloth diapers because they're like, this is just where I can't. So... Well, I don't use cloth diapers. You got to do something, Rebecca. <laughs> Give us something to balance you out here. You're like, I care about the environment, but I trash it all the time. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of how I'm feeling right now. But no, I really like that chicken. I like it that it's like thinner pieces of chicken. And I like that I can just pop it right in the freezer and I don't have to like special bag it. I like that I can just pull out as many pieces as I want. I don't like that it costs more because I'm also frugal, but I'm spending like a ridiculous amount of money on pre-packaged chicken. <laughs> I just like it. And I, I'm i sorry, college self. I didn't think I would ever get to this point, but I'm here. And yet also not and sorry. Yeah, this, not the sorry. difference of like this it. one is that you are I'm a little bit sorry. sorry. This is sorry, sorry. She's I am, a, yeah, sorry. I am a little sorry. Not sorry, sorry. Well, the more I talk about <laughs> it, your feedback, the more I'm feeling sorry. <laughs> I can easily be pushed back into that guilt. That guilt, yeah, the guilt is to the nowhere store, to be seen. <laughs> the guilt's not going to be there. And, and I'll I'm be gonna snooping your car. And you're going to hope that no one I'm, like yeah, Megan yeah. comes up and tries to talk to you Try about to it. Try to talk to you about how, <laughs> and also ruining the like environment. That in your car? <laughs> Have you, do you see you? Do you see you can get bigger pieces of chicken that are cheaper in this nice package? I mean, you just have to cut it down yourself or cut it off the bone, but it's so much better. So, Rebecca, do you not like to touch chicken? You like, there's a lot of people who just, they buy that individual chicken because they're like, I just can't, the less touching of raw chicken I have to do, the better my life. That's me. I'm not cutting anything off the Mm -hmm. bone. Not a single solitary thing. I will let our modern technology do that and sell it to you. I don't even buy raw chicken ever if i buy chicken it's like a rotisserie or something like that i just i can't that's how much wait, wait you what? don't buy any raw Mm-mm. chicken how do you cook we don't we oh. don't eat chicken you never is that a problem for you guys <laughs> we're all stunned we don't even have words right now we just have the face the frozen botox face of questioning <laughs> what you don't eat no, chicken? no unless it's already been prepared like like Chicken strips or rotisserie chicken or something. I didn't. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I, I didn't I don't feel sorry about my chicken anymore at all. <laughs> I don't it's understand that. What do you, I feel like that that's a main thing I cook. Yeah. Mm. Oh. What do you? What's your main protein? Because I know you're not no, vegetarian. No beef and pork. And you buy that raw? Yeah, it doesn't bother me. There's something about the smell and the texture, but it's mostly the smell of raw chicken. It makes me want to throw up. You guys, I did not know. <laughs> awesome. I wish you could see the looks of skepticism and disbelief coming at me through Skype right now. <laughs> okay, I kind of understand, though, when you talked about the smell, because I feel like that a little bit about raw pork. Oh, interesting. Like, pork has a weird smell to me. Okay. I mean, I still cook with it, man. <laughs> But it does have a smell where lots of times I have a pork stew recipe where you have to cut up pork. And by the time I have that in the oven, I'm so 
disgusted, I can hardly eat my dinner. That's like, obviously, it's hours later, it's cooked. Yeah. And yet I can still kind of smell that piggy smell. And so I'm like, yeah, I can't even really enjoy this. But I, I still cook with it. I feel like more than 50% of my recipes call for chicken. Yes. Like, I'm just trying if, to sit here and think yes, about no, it. And I'm like, no. what if we didn't eat chicken? I know. What would we <laughs> eat, Laura? What would we eat? No, we don't eat a ton Listen. of chicken, so I can go with that. But yeah, I still can cook it raw. No one... Was this your sorry, not sorry? No, I didn't know this was a problem. I didn't know I should apologize. I'm actually not even sorry about it. <laughs> no, you shouldn't be. Listen, we do. I mean, it's not like I'm like, if it's cooked, I can eat it. I like Chick-fil-A. I mean. <laughs> well, now, OK, now it's OK. If someone else prepares it for me, it's not like if I go to your house and you serve me grilled chicken, I'm going to puke in the plate. <laughs> It just has to be cooked. I just cannot deal with it raw. Well, here's the good news. I feel like the fact that you're not buying any chicken somehow offsets. (laughs) It's like green credits for Rebecca. Yes. Because she's like buying double the plastic. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. I'm thinking that's that's a good thing. Yes. 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 Yin and yang. It all evens out. Okay. (laughs) Well, what is your final sorry, not sorry? Okay, well, this is probably way less controversial now in the grand scheme of not preparing chicken. So Kelly doesn't like TV that that makes her cry. I don't like television series where I can't understand what the people are saying, and therefore I do not watch any British television series. <laughs> There's something, something deeply wrong with my American ears to where I literally can't understand the dialogue. And I get so frustrated, I can't follow the plot because I'm like, wait, what? I spend half of the show asking Kyle, <laughs> like, needs subtitles for British English. I bet you could get them. Use subtitles. You can turn them on. <laughs> you know they're on. speaking English, right? I do know. Well, telling kinda. you something. There's something wrong with the way I process auditory information. But here's the thing. We have a lot of awesomes in Great Britain. I love you dearly. Your use of language is beautiful. When I hear it in real life... One of Daisy's best friends, her parents are from England. And when I talk to them, I can totally understand what they're saying. There's something about watching it on TV and like trying to follow it in a story. I get lost. And I realize that I'm probably going to get kicked out of my own Facebook group, out of the sort of awesome hangout, because everybody, all those awesomes love all of the British TV series. And I just won't watch them. And frankly, not sorry. So you didn't watch Downton Abbey? That's like... I watched, okay, listen, I watched the first season of Downton Abbey and I watched the first season of Call the Midwife and they were excellent TV. There's no denying the quality. I was just like, I just can't invest this much mental energy into my TV watching. Like if you're having to translate in your head. Right. From British to American. Yes. You're like, this this takes too much brain space. Do you think it's because I'm from Oklahoma and I like have (laughs) hillbilly ears? Yes. I'm going to give a resounding yes. Really? Are you serious? Yes, she has hillbilly ears. I do. Well, what about your ears, Laura? I didn't know that this was a thing. Laura hasn't lived in Oklahoma for like 20 years. Yeah, I mean, I used to have hillbilly ears for sure. And our lake house is in the south, and so I have to like put them back on (laughs) times a million when I come here. But I can understand people around here better than Jeff can, for sure. But I think, I mean, I haven't, yeah, I haven't lived in... Oklahoma in 17 years. So I just think I've adapted. But that's yeah. why I can say to her, like, with no judgment and no, like, it'd just be like, oh, you just have hillbilly years. It's fine. That's all. 
<laughs> I mean, it does take me a couple of minutes if you're watching a true drama from a different country to adjust. So exactly what you just said, Laura, I have hardly traveled to the South, but when people have a really thick Southern accent, that's harder for me than British English. What? Especially because, yeah, because there's colloquialisms that I do not understand. So I'm like, I don't even, I think you just said something that doesn't make sense in my brain. You know, there's ways of speaking and phrases that I don't understand. Yeah, and like, it's not just, I, it's not always colloquialisms. It's sometimes it's like cadence in a way. It's not just the yes. accent. It's especially in the South, but I think this is also true in British English that there's like, mm-hmm. like a slurring of words or something that yes. you're either used to that to yes. the way those sounds run onto each other, or you're not. That's yes. what yep. that's what Jeff has a harder time with. Really, Southern dialects is it, it all kind of runs on in a way that he's like, I don't follow. <laughs> oh my gosh, I have never understood myself as clearly as I do right now. That's exactly what it is. Exactly. Thank you. My gosh, this has been a life changing episode for me. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I will walk you're, away a different person. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of journaling to do. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to need to schedule in another appointment with my counselor, like, right away as soon as we get done here. This is a whole thing. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Well, we have talked your ears off about our Sorry Not Sorry's. We know that you have some Sorry Not Sorry's, and we know you have probably have some opinions about ours. So let's go around, remind everybody where they can find us all around the web, where they can add us on Twitter and all of the things for our very unrepentant opinions that we've shared today. Kelly, how about you? Yeah, if you want to talk to me about my unrepentant opinions, go to at Laura.Tremaine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is the time that we should all have the fake phone numbers, you know, so when somebody comes up to you and they're like, hey, what's your number? And you're like, here you go. And then you call and it's disconnected. Okay, so I'll own it. I'm really at Kelly at Lovewell on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook. You can find me at facebook.com slash Lovewell blog. Okay, Laura, how about you? All my channels can be reached at lauratremaine.com, but I'm also on Twitter at lauratremaine and Instagram at laura.tremaine. Okay, and Rebecca? You can find me at simplyrebecca.com, and you can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at simplyrebecca. Okay, and I am sort of awesome Meg on Twitter and Instagram, and we really can't wait to hear your opinions and all of your sorry, not sorry. So you guys, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffer, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at sortaawesomeshow.com, where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at progermusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life Sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.